Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Um, if you're anywhere on the eastern seaboard, I'm not sure how far down this goes, you are uh, having a pretty snowy week. Um, and there's nothing that I like to do more when it's snowing than think about something where someplace where it's not snowing. Um, now, travel has obviously been difficult uh, during the pandemic. Um, my husband and I actually got away to the Caribbean, like literally right before the world shut down. And I feel so grateful that we did, um, but we're not sure when we can get out again. Um, so while uh, we're all dreaming about uh, warmer and uh, better locations than we're in right now, if you're stuck in snow like me, we thought this might be an interesting time to talk about uh, a travel location that has recently become more open to the Orthodox crowd, to the kosher crowd. Um, although the pandemic is still making travel hard, um, even in non-pandemic times, Orthodox Jews uh, need to consider, you know, sort of uh, how Jewish observance goes while on vacation. Uh, first and foremost is uh, kosher food. And then bonuses, if there's accommodations for Shabbos, for mikvah, for a place to daven. Um, and we like to show that the, the world can be open to uh, the religious Jew. I think so many people see uh, a life of Torah and mitzvot, uh, all about what you can't do, what you can't have, where you can't go. But here at Jew in the City, we like to show that there are many more options that are available than you might believe. And today we're going to add one more to that list, and that place is Cuba. Um, and with me today um, is a man named Saul Berenthal. He was born in Havana in 1944, where his parents found refuge after fleeing Europe and fled again to Miami in 1960, following the 1959 Castro Revolution. After graduating, he started a job with IBM and later built a couple successful software businesses, achieving the proverbial American dream. He started going back to Cuba about a dozen years ago as he was semi-retired after selling his software company. He took an interest in revisiting his former homeland. In a somewhat of a bittersweet return, he saw a faded and worn reminder of his childhood, but with limitless potential to return to his former glory with the right environment. As a businessman, he saw that there were opportunities to help the Cuban people by developing their own economy. You may recognize his name as he was featured prominently in the news as the founder of the first American company licensed under the Obama administration to do business in Cuba. Unfortunately, politics got in the way and the Cuban government elected not to pursue the idea. From there, he turned to the next most promising element of the economy, travel. Our hope is that by bringing travelers, we can expose the world to what Cuba has to offer, bring much needed aid, most importantly, drive interactions with private local businesses to help the community become more self-sufficient. Uh, Barenthal and his family own and operate a Cuba-only travel agency, P2P. And also, and this is the part that you'll especially be interested in, Cuba's first and only kosher boutique hotel, Chateau Blanc. Um, Saul, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. So I haven't, I don't really know too much about Cuba. Um, you know, I sort of grew up hearing about it was a place that we didn't talk to, didn't go to, didn't do business with. And in the last few years, uh, that's changed. And I think sometimes I've seen some TV shows where they visit Cuba. I'm not sure if that's uh, real or they just pretend it to be in Cuba. I'm not sure if that's been allowed. And I guess my association is some old timey cars um, and tropical weather. I guess just start us off. Um, what, uh, what was the Cuba like of your childhood and um, in your visits back today? Um, how have things changed? 
Through, through my life in Cuba, um, I learned a little bit or a tremendous amount of information about Cuban culture, being raised in Cuba and going to school in Cuba in a uh, Jewish community was a very interesting uh, time in my life. Number one, I got to understand the Cuban culture, live the Cuban culture and the Jewish culture at the same time. Uh, during my childhood, I went to two Jewish schools, one which was a normal Jewish school that taught Spanish classes as well as Yiddish classes. And then I went for a couple of years to yeshiva. After I graduated and went to high school, I went to military school in Cuba, which, which was a, a very uh, interesting uh, time in my life to uh, learn discipline. But um, just to give you an idea, the Cuban community at that time in Cuba was mostly merchants that Im immigrated from Europe uh, after the wars. Uh, the first um, settlement in Cuba was uh, made by um, American soldiers coming back from Spanish-American War. So there was a real good established Cuban com uh, Jewish community in Cuba. Uh, we were anywhere between 15 and 18,000 Jews. Uh, typically, like in everywhere else, we had three synagogues. And over there, we had a distinction between the Sephardic Jews, the Ashkenazi Jews, and then the Orthodox Jews. Mm -hmm. So there was a synagogue for each and every one of those uh, communities. Uh, Can you give me an idea? And what, what was the largest community there? Was it split evenly between Orthodox, Ashkenazi, and Sephardic, or was the one in a, a larger number? The larger, largest number was the Ashkenazi one. That's the, okay. the biggest uh, synagogue. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I kind of lived in both worlds because we mm -hmm. belonged to the Ashkenazi synagogue, but my mother's uncle was the president of the Orthodox synagogue. That gives you an idea why I went to yeshiva for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I got, I got raised in a combination of both the typical uh, traditional uh, conservative Judaism and as well Orthodox Judaism. So I know a little bit about both of those worlds. Got it. And so where is... No, you can continue. We're going to say I was going to ask where the community is today, but continue on with your thought if you had more to say about about the past. Well, the the, the good thing about the community was even though there were three separate synagogues, we all um, socialized together. Mm -hmm. um, many of my friends were Sephardic. Many of my friends did not uh, practice uh, kosher uh, habits, but nonetheless, we were. Cuban Jews that existed in a place that was uh, a real paradise. If you think about it, uh, during the 50s, uh, mid to late 50s, uh, the economy of Cuba was based on tourism. And of course, um, Cuba was one of the areas where the mafia had made a lot of investment in hotels and tourism, gambling, et cetera. So the economy was very prosperous. The Jews were uh, all merchants and uh, prospered uh, be because of uh, tourism in Cuba. My father, you spoke about uh, the old cars. My father's business was the imports of automobile, automobile parts from the US. So he had a very well-established uh, 
economic uh, structure in Cuba. And then when did that change? This, so this uh, was part? The revolution, uh, being that uh, Castro took over, and, and this was based mainly on the fact that corruption because of the mafia and much of the uh, vices that were going on in Cuba made it a little bit uh, too far down the, down the line. And the Cuban people revolted against it. Uh, Castro took over and brought in socialism first that then became communism once he adopted the uh, Russian uh, model of uh, an, an economic framework. Given that communism took over, then merchants had no future. So my parents, as well as 90%, I would say 90% of the Jewish population left somewhere between 1960 to 63. Uh, so today in Cuba, we have somewhere between 800 to 1,200 Jews. Wow. Hmm. So it, it was decimated um, during the 70s and 80s. Religion was not looked upon as a positive thing. So most of the organized uh, religions and synagogues as well as churches were closed. Uh, people practiced their religion or practiced uh, their beliefs at home. Mm -hmm. So the Jewish um, community stayed alive, but not well organized. And do you know uh, who stayed? Do you know who stayed? Was it a mix also of the Orthodox and the non-Orthodox, and or was it more of one group or the other group? Well, the same the same ra ratio uh, okay. that we had before. Most mm -hmm. of the people today in Cuba are Ashkenazi. The mm -hmm. next group is the Sephardic, and then the next group is the Orthodox. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about Rabbi Lau meeting with Fidel Castro? I, I read that in Rabbi Lau's memoir that he had a meeting with him. I'm not sure if that's something that you've ever read about or heard about. Well, uh, I, I was going to get into the why religion came back to Cuba. Mm -hmm. And it had to do with the fact that when the uh, Soviet Union collapsed, Cuba was so dependent on the economic uh, aid from uh, the Soviet Union that without that aid, their economy collapsed. Mm -hmm. Having the economy collapse called change in the model of uh, the economy and Fidel reverted back to tourism. Mm -hmm. And in order to make people comfortable in terms of being willing or able to come to a country like Cuba, he kind of put in a, a facade of um, Cuba was a tolerant uh, country that accepted religion. He invited the Pope as well as uh, members of other religions to come mm -hmm. over and explain to them that he was going to open up uh, religious activities in Cuba again. And that gave it a, um, an ability to start uh, talking to hotel uh, people from other countries to develop what today is one of the biggest industries of Cuba, which is tourism. Mm -hmm. so as a byproduct of the economy, and the calling for becoming more of a religious, tolerant society, Judaism revived in Cuba again. Mm -hmm. And so, and even with, so what does revived in Cuba again mean? Meaning in terms of people practicing, in terms of the numbers growing, what is the, the synagogues? The synagogues are open. Mm -hmm. So now people can actually go to the synagogue and partake in activities. Mm -hmm. Mostly they're social activities. There's no such thing as a rabbi in Cuba. Wow. Uh, they have people who 
do the Shabbos services. Um, they have a cantor in the uh, Orthodox uh, synagogue. Mm -hmm. uh, from time to time, a visiting rabbi will come in and he will perform marriages, bar mitzvahs, from time to time, uh, circumcisions as well. Chabad is not there. No, no Chabad there yet. Uh, Chabad is not there officially. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I was there in December. And while I was there, I had occasion to meeting with uh, a group of Chabad that had come to celebrate Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. And they do come from time to time to participate in some holiday celebrations with the community. Mm -hmm. But uh, it is not done on an official basis. They're not recognized as a religious entity in Cuba. Mm -hmm. even, even the other Jews do not recognize them as, mm -hmm. as a valid entity in Cuba. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. something that we're working on trying to address. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why we met while uh, being there on Hanukkah. And mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll continue to look into the ability to establish a Chabad house because mm -hmm. that will help us a lot in terms of having somebody there that can act as a, as a member of Chabad that can certify and can uh, perform uh, the services uh, while people are coming. Nowadays, when we bring uh, Orthodox groups, we have to bring our own Meshkiach. Mm -hmm. Usually mm -hmm. there's a rabbi associated with a group that will conduct services. Mm -hmm. Our our BNB um, is big enough so that we have room for up to sixty people so that they can um, do all the religious activities that they want. Mm -hmm. And of now, course, we we have the traditional two kitchens and everything else so that we can cook uh, kosher meals. When religion was practiced privately in those years that communism was in Cuba. Would a person be thrown in jail for practicing religion publicly? Was no, it that no, dangerous? No, no. Okay. No, no. It, it was not illegal. Just, okay. just not looked upon as a right thing to do. So, for example, if you said that you were Catholic or you were Jewish, you did not get a good job in any of the government institutions that you would work for. Oh, like like Russia. They they copied from Russia. That that that's pretty much what they did. Yes. Got it. Okay, so now traveling to Cuba, um, and what about safety right now? Because that's another, and I don't know if my concern is just sort of based on, oh, this is a place that we don't go to visit. How, how are things in terms of safety, in terms of uh, tourist attractions? Kind, kind of let us know on that side, like what is there to do well, and would you feel? Setting like? aside the pandemic and all the issues that right, right, right. every country has with uh, yeah. healthcare and all that kind of stuff, Cuba from a... Um, tranquility point of view is a very, very safe place. Uh, over, over time, they know that tourism likes to be in a place where tourists feel safe, secure, comfortable. So from that perspective, they make every effort to make sure that there is no crime or no robberies or no assaults or anything of that sort. It's not within the Cuban culture to have that. So from perspective is very safe. Mm -hmm. uh, from the perspective of traveling under the embargo, which is the, the ability of Americans to be able to travel back and forth to Cuba, over the last four years, some of the things were a little bit more restricted. 
as mm -hmm. to who can travel and for what purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, but now, with the new administration, we're hoping that we would go back to the regulations of the Obama timeframe, where any American could go to Cuba anytime to multiple airports. Today, mm -hmm. until they make the changes uh, in the next few months, you can only travel to Havana, not to any of the other airports. And there's about a dozen other airports in Cuba that you can go to. And then there are restrictions as to whether you can stay in this hotel or whether you can go in, in this restaurant or not. One of the advantages of our um, place in Cuba is that we are a private sector entity and Americans are able to go into any private sector entity in Cuba. It is only any of the institutions owned, government institutions that owned tourist facilities that Americans are not allowed to participate. Mm -hmm. And so what, what type of tourist attractions um, do you have in Cuba? And is there anything that separates it from another Caribbean island that a person is gonna wanna see that's special to be there? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what was told to me by the Secretary of Commerce of uh, North Carolina who came to visit with me almost two years ago. And he had never been in Cuba and he visited and he said, to me, Cuban, Cuba is not an island, Cuban is a country. Mm. And he said that in terms of the culture and in terms of the architecture and in terms of the development and in terms of the size and scope of the city. But mm. in addition to that, the culture, the culture of Cuba in terms of music, dance, uh, cigars, uh, rum, entertainment, it, it is quite, quite different from Jamaica or Dominican Republic or the Bahamas or any of those other countries. It is really a big, any of those islands, it is really a big country that does have the beaches, the sunshine, and a culture of European tradition. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes it different from any other island that you would go to just for the sake of going to the beach and suntan. There's, mm -hmm. there's a tremendous amount of art, there's a tremendous amount of um, tradition, there's a tremendous amount of architecture mm -hmm. to see in Cuba. So what was the window between, I remember during the Obama administration, um, sort of the status of Cuba had changed. What was the time frame that the status had changed and how many uh, groups or how many uh, Orthodox people did you bring in during that um, open window that you had? Okay, so we inaugurated our uh, place um, a year ago in November. Ah. So we were able to bring, I would say, 14 or 15 groups, mm -hmm. a group typically defined as anywhere between 12 to 20 people. Mm -hmm. And because of the accommodations and the transportation buses and all that kind of stuff. Instead of having multiple buses, we want to. We like to have smaller groups that we can handle the the itineraries a little bit better because we want to give uh, the people that we bring not not only knowledge of Cuba per se, but knowledge of the Jewish community in Cuba. One of the most important aspects of what we do is to bring to Cuba. Jewish people so that the Jewish community of Cuba has the ability to 
know, meet, understand, and feel that they're not alone and abandoned. Mm. So part of, part of what we do every time that we bring a group is to take them to the three main synagogues that I mentioned and partake with them in mm -hmm. either a luncheon or a dinner, uh, services, etc. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, a lot of uh, the groups bring donations uh, mm -hmm. to the synagogues as well. We mm -hmm. visit them all and let them interact with each other so that the people, the Jewish people in Cuba know that they have uh, brethren outside of Cuba that is interested in it. Mm. Does anyone speak English there or Hebrew or you have to know some Spanish if you're well, Yiddish, most, Yiddish mostly, Yiddish. but uh -huh. uh, yeah, many of them have organized themselves so that they can interact with tourism, not only American tourism. Remember, there's a lot of European tourism that comes to mm -hmm. Cuba from places like uh, the UK or mm -hmm. other uh, English speaking places, as well as South American Jews that also come and visit, but mm -hmm. that's not a language issue. And where the groups that you've brought, have they all been American so far? Or you brought uh, no, Orthodox? No, Canadians, Canadians and uh, Europeans. Uh, when, when we organize our groups, we open up uh, a certain window of time and a certain number of people. And then you can come and uh, um, if you're an American, you have to go through a certain set of uh, conditions that you have to fulfill in order to go to Cuba, like getting a a visa and getting the permits, etc. But people from Europe, Canada, South America, they can just uh, ask for uh, participation in a group and they just come. Mm -hmm. we, we make arrangements for transportation so they can be picked up at the airports and then we have buses that take them around to all the places that we visit. It, it's an itinerary that we build for every group, but it's mm -hmm. a combination of enjoyment of Cuba and all uh, it's offering as well as visiting to the Jewish community. How does the uh, kashras work? You said there's no rabbis there. You have a mashkiach there locally. How, like, where do you get your food from? We, how, we, how bring, you we bring a mashkiach with us all the time. We have a certifying uh, rabbi that certifies the facility. Mm -hmm. uh, the mashkiach stays with us all the time. It's a recognized uh, mashkiach. Every group um, either knows about the mashkiach or picks its own mashkiach to come with them. Uh, mm -hmm. We have the two kitchens, separate kitchens for uh, mm -hmm. uh, preparing. And we bring all our ingredients that are not grown in Cuba, all the vegetables, fruits, and stuff like that. Those mm -hmm. are kosher by definition. But right. all the other ingredients we bring from the US into Cuba. Got it. OK, I was going to ask what, what your closest supply is. Um, couple more questions. We've got about sure. five more minutes left. Um, are there direct flights from New York to Cuba or you got to go down to Miami first? Well, right right now, most of the flights are coming out of Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Okay. But okay. in the past, when during the Obama administration, it is something that we, we pretty much hope and know that it's going to revert to. Uh, there were flights from Newark, from JFK, from mm -hmm. Atlanta, from LA. And uh, how, lo how long a flight is that from, from New York? Well, uh, from New York is two hours. Oh wow, that's not bad at all. From Miami huh. is forty. From Miami is forty-five minutes. 
Huh, that is very close. Um, and then um, I guess walk us through. So let me just clarify. Can you stay in the Airbnb, the kosher Airbnb and do activities on your own? Or is there only one option of coming on a tour with you <laughs> doing your programs and staying at the Airbnb with the kosher food? No, both options are available. Okay. But it is very difficult for people to navigate Cuba on their own. Got it. So very few people take the option of coming and then organizing themselves as to how they want to spend the time. Got it. All right. So we, then in the left. Make arrangements either way. So can you walk us through some of the activities? How long does the average tour last for? Um, and what are some of the places you take them to? We got about three minutes left. Absolutely. No problem at all. Uh, typically is uh, within five to seven days. Some people gone for 10 days up to 10 days. And what we do is we, we take him through art. We take him through Hemingway for the American people. We take him to tobacco country where the best tobacco in the world is grown. Uh, over there, they have the ability to do a lot of tourist things like riding horses and visiting a tobacco farm and everything else. We take him to the beach areas, the famous uh, Cuban beaches, which is uh, one of the biggest uh, um, inducements for uh, tourism to come. We pack a lunch and dinners to take with us to all these places. So they are always able to eat kosher wherever it is that they go. We take them then to visit artists in Cuba, art galleries. Um, we take them to um, Tropicana, some of the uh, music and uh, the Tropicana to... orange juice, Tropicana orange juice, what just... No, 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 Tropicana no. <laughs> is the famous nightclub of Cuba where uh, the, uh, what was the name of that show with Lucille Ball? Oh, I Love Lucy? Lucy, yeah. The husband was supposed to have been uh, one of the people who uh, played in Tropicana. Got it. So Tropicana was one of the famous... Um, nightclubs and uh, gambling establishments uh, of the mafia in Cuba. Got it. All right, so those are those are the activities they can come for five to seven days. You do have, um, you have a, a Shabbos type of program that you'll put together if they come yes. over a Shabbos? Okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I assume no mikvah at this point, or was there a mikvah from? Well, there uh, was right. a mikvah. There was a mikvah. It's not functioning in the Orthodox mm -hmm. show, but it's mm -hmm. just for show. It's not functioning at this point. Uh huh. Okay, but God willing, if more people come and more donations are given, maybe that could be something for well, the future. God, God willing, if we get away with what we're doing in terms of convincing people to come and showing people that it is a safe place and it's a good place and they can enjoy as well as help the Jewish community. It'll grow. Amazing. We are, we are looking forward to growing the ability for Jews to come to Cuba. Well, I think um, although travel is, you know, happening less frequently right now, I think the appetite and the dreams of travel is growing now more than ever. So um, I hope, you know, as people feel safe to get out there, um, and I see you have a COVID protocol on your website as well. Um, yep. I hope they will contact you just in the last uh, 20 seconds. Give us a website for people to look out for if they'd like more information. Okay. Two, two, two websites. Number one, 
p2p-llc.com. That's the travel agency that organizes the trip to Cuba. And the other one is chateau-cuba.com. That is the website for the BNB where you can see what it looks like, where it's located, the activities that we have, etc. Amazing. All right. Um, well, we wish you um, much luck, and um, and I hope some of our listeners have uh, are thinking about their next vacation plans. Um, I, I and know. I, I know they will. I know they will come, and we're looking forward to it because things, politics between U.S. and Cuba are going nowhere but to become better and better. All right. God willing. All right. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you all for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye bye.